The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters, because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. And we are right at the start of Ravens training camp. And I am joined here by my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Ravens Sit Room. Gabe, how you been? It's been a long offseason. It has been. I feel like we've been waiting a very long time to get to the training camp. Um, the start of real football once again. And it's, it's always exciting. I love this time of year. We've got the, all those expectations that are just like waiting to you know, come to fruition see the players out on the football field or I guess on the training field first but it's a fun time and I'm looking forward to it yeah it feels like the season ended halfway through the year last year with all those heartbreaking losses and the Lamar and all the injuries and all that and you know even looking back at this offseason you know and everything that's leading up to training camp now and I agree with you it's super exciting time to be a training camp time um, you know I think the big takeaway that I've had from this offseason is I just feel like and you and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand I just feel like the Ravens are just like just being broadly dis- disrespected by the media by betting markets by you know not other players it's not players in particular um, but especially Lamar Jackson is just like taking a beating like for 
for a unanimous MVP, something that only one other person has ever done. Um, and for a guy that was leading a team to the best record in the AFC and maybe was it the best record in the NFL at that point? It was the, at least the AFC and then got hurt. And then everything went downhill from there. Like, what on earth is the rest of the NFL world thinking? Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of of uh, recency bias uh, because of the way the Ravens finished their season obviously wasn't ideal. And even the way that Lamar was playing at the end of the season when he was still playing wasn't his best that we've seen. You know, like that Miami game, I think, st- sticks out in a lot of people's minds um, where everything kind of just went wrong on that Thursday night football. Um if you look at his stats from last year, it was probably it's basically the worst season he'd had since a rookie year. Um, obviously, people want to give that connotation of being injury prone to Lamar, even though he's only had that really that one injury in his entire career. Um, but of course, it happened at the end of last season, so that's something that sticks as well. So I think it's a little bit of the recency bias. It's a little bit of just general bias against Lamar Jackson that's been there throughout his entire career. He's never gotten the respect that he deserves, um, especially, I think, as a passer. Obviously, people will say, you know, he's an electric playmaker. But, he, you know, you look at him um, in terms of what he can do as just a strictly a pocket quarterback and it's still really incredibly impressive. One of the, one of the better um, you know, playmakers from that position, not just with his legs, but also with his arm. Um, some of the deep passes he was making last year was was really impressive and he took some strides in that area and that was something that we were all looking for and he did that um but unfortunately you know it just kind of all came tumbling down when when the injuries started piling up when he got hurt and then you know it's it's just it was a like you said a bad way to end the season but um you know there's a lot that's looking positive in this year i mean and the, the one thing that's been kind of hampering that I think is the wide receiver position because you know when Marquise Brown got traded everybody's like oh there's nobody in the Ravens in the Ravens offense anymore and which is also not true but it's it's something that you know kind of the general media would say I think yeah it's 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 just still so wild to me how there isn't more respect overall for Lamar Jackson. And like, I, even if you want, even if you want to diss him as a passer, which I vehemently disagree with on, on a lot of levels, it tells me that those people just aren't watching the games with the same kind of scrutiny that they need to. But even if that's not why his ability to run the ball was not diminished last year, it did not go down. He was still incredibly dynamic in those situations. Um, and he did so with some trash running backs sit, standing next to him. And so there, like there's no question in my mind that if J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are ready, even even um, Mike Davis and Tyler Beatty are an upgrade over what the Ravens were running out there because they refused to write, run out Tyson Williams during that time last year. And so it's just kind of it's wild to me that you have a guy like Bernard Pollard saying he's a top ten talent, but he's not a top ten quarterback. And it's just like if the ball is in his hands, you know, eighty times a game in terms of him being the primary person that's either running or throwing the ball then how can he not be a top 10 quarterback? And it's, it's just like, you know, some of it is ratings and some of it is attention and it's just the media piling on. But, um, you know, the, the, subver- the subversive racist undertones drive me crazy that Lamar Jackson being as talented as he is and being as black as he is still stands out to, to I think, to me as one of the main reasons why this all happened. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard yeah, to ignore I, that aspect of it. And I don't really want to delve too deeply into that thing because it, it's something that's just 
unfortunate and football is unfortunate in our society but it's it's there um there's i mean from before he got drafted you know there's there was that you know transition to wide receiver nonsense um and it and a lot of that has never gone away so um it's so you think he gets the do you think they're going to guarantee his deal like to sean watson what kind of contract do you think lamar's gonna get I, I don't think so. I don't think they can. I think I think, I think, I think Deshaun Watson's contract was a little bit of an outlier. But, you know, maybe they can figure out something where it's like kind of um, rolling guarantees where there's like a option to guarantee like two years in the future as, as a contract. Because I think um, both like Allen and Mahomes have something similar to that baked into their contracts. Um, I think that's probably the way to go with it. Um, I, I would expect, you know, an offer consistent with what, Josh Allen got that would be my kind of target I think if I was the Ravens um, I mean the Watson deal was kind of unprecedented and especially for a player like him with his you know issues it's I think it's really unfortunate that he was the guy who got that kind of record-breaking deal um, and I mean I, I, I don't know I don't know what the Ravens are doing it's, it's difficult with, with Lamar because the fact that he doesn't have an agent. Um, I know that's something that's been talked out a lot also about in, in the national media by certain people. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a hindrance that happens in negotiating with that. I'm not going to be completely dishonest about that. I do think there's something there. But um, in the end, I don't think it's going to keep a deal from getting done. Um, and, you know, that deal not being done is also probably part of the reason why his name is so often mentioned. It's, it's a big deal when you have a player of his caliber that's going into his fifth year. Um, he doesn't have a contract. There's no guarantees after this year. I mean, he could become a free agent. I think, obviously, he'll be franchise tagged if the deal isn't finished. But it's kind of, you know, uncomfortable territory. It's not something I like to see as a fan. I want him to be under contract for, you know, the next five, six years, however long that contract's going to be. Um, you know, this happened before with Joe Flacco. And I think, you know, the Ravens ended up paying him a lot of money and it didn't end up going well. Um, obviously, after a Super Bowl win, if, if a Super Bowl win happens with Lamar Jackson on playing on the last year of his contract, I'd be very happy with that. But then I think you're going to have to be paying him Mahomes money. Um, so I don't or even more. So it's, it's a difficult situation. I want to get the deal done before the season. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen at this point, but that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I'd like to see him under contract as well. And I do, you know, I think the no agent thing is interesting. I think it's interesting for a different reason than everyone else does. I don't think that the fact that he doesn't have an agent is the problem. I think that the fact that he thinks like the kind of person that doesn't want to have an agent makes him think differently than the way everybody does else does in the NFL. So I don't think that him having to negotiate his own contract is, it's like, it's not like, oh, he's like, oh, I haven't had a chance to go through the paperwork. There's no chance that he doesn't have a lawyer on Retainer. There isn't somebody reviewing the rest of this stuff. That he, he's not getting that same advice. He's just not doing it through the formality of like a business venture that is set up like an agency. Like that's bad for the NFL in so many different ways. <laughs> or at least the people that work in that business to have a big name player like this going out and doing this on his own and still being as significant as Lamar is. They don't want Lamar to get the huge contract because it's going to make them look yeah. stupid. And there's going to be 10% of the cut to future players that they might not think about doing. So they, And then the, the media loop feed from those people is not being played into as well, which is why we get some of this. So I think all that is just to say that I think that Lamar thinks about it differently than other people do, which is also 
also part of why Lamar is a different type of quarterback, and I think that's the reason why this is being held up. I think Lamar is genuine in saying that he will be a Raven for life, that it will be a reasonable, it will be a market value, but a reasonable deal. He's not going to hold them hostage for what that needs to look like. At least Deshaun, Deshaun Watson was essentially holding the Browns hostage from my perspective because they felt like they needed to trade for a quarterback. I, I don't think Lamar is going to do that same thing, kind of thing to the Ravens. I'm not, I would love for I would prefer to, for him to be under contract. Um, but I also fall in the category of people that believe that the cap is not real. That if the, if the Ravens wanted to generate 25 million on the cap tomorrow, they could. Um, and they're one of the more cash strapped, strapped teams in the short term in terms of what they can do for that. And it would be rather simple for them and rather quick for them to do so. Um, so it, especially as long as the revenues continue to rise in the NFL at the paces that it looks like they're going to, you know, I think it's a non-issue. I think the second part of Flacco's contract, I don't think that the Ravens were one or two players away that they weren't able to sign because of salary cap reasons. And that was the reason they got held back during the Flacco era. I think there were, there was the Ray Rice contract. There was the Holody Nanda contract. There were, a, there were a lot of salary cap issues that weren't just Joe Flacco that were all coming to a head at the same time. Um, and I think he gets a little bit of an unfair rap due to the, due to the timing of all that. But all that being said, I'm not worried about the contract issue at all. And I'd rather, I, I like this idea that Lamar's like, look, we're, I'm going to sign. I know I'm going to sign. I'm talking to DeCosta and the team. I just want to go out there and win. And, and, and this guy works harder than anybody I've ever seen. He, he looks incredible heading into this offseason or heading out of this offseason. And he is, go, he is going to stiff arm somebody so freaking hard this year. And we are going to go crazy when it happens because he looks stacked. Yeah, he looks like he put on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. Um, we'll see what that looks like on the field, um, whether or not he's like a, a more physical runner. I don't want him to take more punishment. Um, but if he can, you know, bounce off one or two tackles um, that he might have gone down from before, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I am going to be looking to see if it impacts his, his throwing ability at all. So, you know, sometimes we've seen quarterbacks balk up and it can kind of actually tighten you up from an upper body perspective. Um, and you kind of don't have the same motion maybe that you had before so um we haven't really seen too much of him um i mean he did come in for the mandatory mini camp so there is you know him working out with the team a little bit but you know we haven't really seen much much of that um so i'm looking forward to seeing how he looks on the field during training camp during preseason um and i i think he's you know in line to have a very big year from a productivity standpoint um and i think the ravens are going to benefit from that so um, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit, we talk a lot about Lamar, I would say. Um, we can move on to some of the other stuff that's that's been happening over the past, um, you know, few weeks. Uh, there have been a few additions to the team since we last um, discussed um, after the draft. So uh, most recently, Justin Houston was signed, which I was extremely pleased to see. I think the Ravens needed that depth in their outside linebacker room. Um, they also brought in Kyle Fuller a little bit before that. Um, also a position that could use some veteran depth. So I'm really excited about those two. Um, Brent Urban is a little bit of a under the radar signing. I'm not sure what his impact is going to be if he even makes the team. Um, but the defensive line, you know, does have good depth. I think it's another position that got upgraded um, from from last year a little bit. And I think that depth, especially those veteran additions, um, are really going to help um, increase the, uh, you know, the uh, overall like ability of this defense um there was they were looking a little thin at, at some positions and i think that's rounded out nicely and i'm glad that th- those additions have been made and i think it's going to benefit the team yeah you know it all 
Well, I'm more glad to see that the Ravens have adjusted. Their, I mean, I'm glad to see all these guys on board. And more talent is more talent. All these guys have the ability, if given the opportunity, to make some kind of impact um, in the right situation. So I'm happy to see them all here. I, I'm more happy to see that the Ravens have adjusted their practice schedule, that they're trying to figure out what these issues are that are related to injuries, trying to make sure that those things get ramped down a little bit. I think we'll see less of the starters um, playing during the preseason and less opportunities to, for them to get hurt. I think that's a plus. Um, I, I, I'm not one to, I'm not a believer in the, like, you know, the fact that just because they were playing during that time, you know, I, I think it's just fluky and it happens. And for the same reason that, you know, Edwards and Peters went down during practice and Marlon Humphrey went down during a game and all the other players that got hurt, you know, even, even Ronnie Stanley got back onto the field in week one last year and wasn't able to make it. So at the end of the day, the, the real additions, the real signings or the real add-ons to this Ravens roster are all the guys that are coming back from injury. And, you know, that, that's where, you know, I, I want to see the focus on the training room. Those guys getting healthy. I mean, there's so much talent. There's so much talent coming back onto this roster. Enough that if that same level of talent was added to, like, if you take the running backs and Stanley and Humphrey and you added that to literally any roster in the NFL, it would probably take that roster to playoff worthy regardless of what team it was. Um, and so the Ravens were right on the cusp of being on the playoffs anyway. And at one point, you know, the one seed, you know, in the AFC last year. So love to see the depth, but just got to stay healthy, guys. Yeah, and if you look at some of those yeah. metrics, uh, I, th I think Football Outsiders did an analysis of injuries last year, and they showed that you know, the Ravens had the most injured team ever, essentially, um, since they've been tracking injuries um, based off of, like, you know, total, like, war or expected war from, from those players. Because not only were they a lot of players that got injured, but they were key position players, you know, basically the entire running back room, your starting cornerback, your starting left tackle, and these are like Pro Bowl caliber players, not just like guys, you know, that's and that's something that's going to be huge. Um, I, I think, you know, we're talking about a guy like Ronnie Stanley, who is was one of the, you know, like true like foundational players on this roster, and I think still is a foundational player on this roster when he's healthy. And getting him back, um, and, and hopefully in the form that he was, you know, looking back at 2019 and 2020 before he got hurt, that's a top player in the NFL. That's like one of the elite, you know, players at his position. And if he can come back and play at that same level, um, you know, essentially after being removed from the from the game for over a year and a half, that's going to be a huge impact for this team. I mean, obviously, the other additions to the offensive line will be big as well. But just getting those players back, I think that's, that's going to be what makes this team, you know, a special potential team this year. You know, a team that look, looks like a lot like potentially what we saw in 2019, where, you know, they, they had some doubters then, too. You know, nobody was expecting that 2019 Ravens team to be, you know, the best record in the NFL, to be a number one seed, you know, record-setting offensively, you know, a very, very impressive defense as they, you know, changed some personnel midseason. Um, obviously, that season ended um, unfortunately, but there's a lot of parallels between what, what happened, um, I think, in that 2019 season and, and what's happening going into 2022, both in terms of personnel and, and also in terms of, like, kind of expectations from, from a general sense. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's it's interesting because if you think about how the Ravens have constructed this roster, they still they still haven't broken the like like they didn't go crazy. Like they could have they could have traded, you know, they could have traded Marquise Brown away and then use the same pick that they acquired in that potentially to go after like a guy like AJ Brown or like made a splash trade somewhere else for a guy that they were going to have to sign to a major contract in that process. Um, and they chose not to do that. And so, you know, there, there have been waves that have come out a little bit as, as you and I were talking about before this, where Biscotti kind of values the consistency of that. And that's what he is kind of prioritized with the team for all the people that were surprised by that. It's like, Steve Biscotti loves John Harbaugh, and if there's anything that like John, that strikes me about the way John Harbaugh manages a team, and even if you look at the way that Ozzy managed this team, like it was never it was never a all in on kind of stars kind of model, um, and it was take a lot of shots, and and the things that will stick are going to be there, be consistent, be there when you need to be there, and you're going to get opportunities and chances to win as a result of that. Um, so it surprises me that people are surprised by that, but um, you know, what's your take on this roster, Bill? Because I think there, there's you know a lot of a lot of opinions on this across Ravens the Ravens yeah, network. Yeah, so I mean I think Ozzy Newsom has come out multiple times in the past and and said that I think after the first Super Bowl win they kind of did that approach where they went all in. They, you know, brought in a lot of expensive veterans, they kind of like pushed contracts around and mortgaged the future a little bit, put it, put the um, credit took the credit card out so to speak. Um, and he regretted it. Um, that was that was the general consensus, and then, like you said with Biscotti, I think there was a similar um, impression that he gave that he he wants to be a team that is relevant year in and year out, and and I, I think some people look at that and say, okay, you just want to like be a decent team, but I don't think that's what he was saying. I think in the NFL, being a relevant team means you're a competitor. It means you're a team that is a, a Super Bowl competitive team. And what happens over the course of the NFL season, so much of it is luck-based and health-based and kind of, like, matchup-based. And so much can, like, happen that is unexpected that as long as you're there on the cusp and getting into the postseason and, you know, maybe having the advantage by having some, a healthier roster than the team you're going up against or having a matchup that works out in favor, favorably for you, um, those are things that are going to let you get to the Super Bowl. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Bengals last year. They they won 10 games. It wasn't no really impressive um, regular season. They they benefited from a Pittsburgh team that was on the decline with Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. The Ravens, which were, as we previously discussed, were incredibly injured. Uh, the Browns, which imploded with Baker Mayfield, a quarterback. And they still only won 10 games in, in a pretty like weak division on, on a last-place schedule. And then they got the, the a pretty bad Raiders team in the first round. They got an even worse Titans number one seed, probably the worst number one seed that we've ever seen. Um, and even though they were able to get um, sacked nine times in that divisional game, they still were able to squeak out a win. They did win in the Kansas City. And yes, to their credit, they won an impressive game. They were down 20 points in the first half, and they somehow managed to crawl back because Patrick Mahomes imploded in the second half. They had, like arguably the luckiest stretch of games I've ever seen out of any team to get the Super Bowl. Um, that could happen to pretty much any team that can get there. And that's why being consistent matters because you just have to have that, you know, that set of circumstances and that sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes you're the best team that ever played, like the 2007 Patriots who didn't lose a game, who was dominating everybody by winning by like four touchdowns a game. 
and they lost to the Super Bowl to, to Eli Manning because you know they ran into a bad matchup and got unlucky on the day that it mattered. So that's how the NFL works. Like you want to be, you want to have the opportunity to be there every single time. The Ravens have set themselves up to be a viable team for the near for the near future, for the next five years, for the next ten years. They have lots of draft picks. They have available cap room, and that's what I want my team to do because I think it's smart. I think it's looking to the future, and it's a good way to not just to manage a football team. It's a good way to manage your life. Like that's just a good principle to live by. Hashtag uh, life lessons from Gabe Ferguson. You know, uh, and and I think the randomness piece is one that stands out to me. Like the, the like you look at the Buffalo, like you look at the Tennessee game two years ago where they lost um, when they were the one seed, and you know you look at what the results of that were, and it was a ton of drop passes and just like some like just some really bad momentum and luck at the front end of that. You look at the Buffalo loss the next year, and it was all like that game was wacky because of weather, right? Like and you, you take away some of those factors, and like who who knows what can happen in some of those games and then what happens if momentum is built on the other side of that um, and so you know not, uh, I agree with you I, I think that you got to be in the playoffs if you're there you're going to have a chance for it and like you know we'll dump we'll, you know I'll take it on here you know I, I am 100% in the support of the Ravens zagging when everyone else is zigging or whatever the heck people want to say like I, I am not one that feels that the Ravens need to go and add a wide receiver like if the Ravens went and added Will Fuller Jr. like I, that'd be nice i'm not going to be upset about that i don't i don't think that that's going to be the difference maker that everyone thinks it would be i, I am almost of the of the mind that the ravens shouldn't do it just to prove the freaking point because i think with the tight ends i think kolar is going to be very the a very good fit into the system he's actually going to take the role that nick boyle had in 2019 when he needed to be a pass catcher in those instances um and those were some those are some big opportunities and likely is going to take the role that hurst had and he's got that athletic Dynamic, dynamic kind of ability, and so I think that I think you're going to be able to bring that back, and it's going to be really impressive. And everybody's going to be everybody's going to be kind of eating their words on this. And so you know, if they could get Fuller on a really good deal or Beckham on a really good deal, I'll take it. But I almost I almost want them to be stubborn and say, hey, we don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't think they need it. Um, and and we'll talk a little bit about the wide receiver position. I think we're going to talk about some position battles later on, um, but. It's. I'm, I'm intrigued by the way this the roster is set up. You mentioned Kolar and Likely. Um, I tend to think that Likely could potentially have a real impact as a rookie. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you know if he's targeted 30, 40 times um, in this offense. You know he had some impressive highlights, and he's a he's a sophisticated like athlete and route runner. Um, he's a guy who's kind of a hybrid wide receiver tight end he can play that slot position for you you know in combination with mark andrews maybe you play andrews a little bit more in line but likely out in the slot in some of these obvious passing situations and then you only need two wide receivers on the field you know like you can do a lot of things that are interesting from from 12 personnel um, from you know having two tight ends out there um, and it allows you to be a little bit more um, dynamic in terms of your ability to run out of those 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 sets as well and, and keep um, defenses honest um, and keep their personnel honest um, that's something that is also an interesting thing if teams start you know putting you know five six defensive backs out there you, you can go in 12 personnel and start running at people um, and that's something that I think also having improved offensive line will help you with so there's a lot of you know potential things I think the Ravens can do with the personnel they have. I don't think their wide receivers are as bad as people are making them out to be. You know, Rashad, Rashad Bateman was considered a very good prospect when the Ravens drafted him. 
Um, he had an uneven first year, largely due to health and due to the quarterback position um, with, with, you know, Lamar getting hurt. But he was regarded as, you know, like a top 15, top 20 wide receiver. The Ravens were able to snag him a little bit later than that. Um, and, and he's someone who's really looked impressive. If you go back and look at his film, from, even from his rookie year, you know, he had some really impressive film out there. He was getting open at a, at a pretty high rate, and he was able to do a lot of things. And I think he really profiles as your true number one wide receiver, and even more so than Hollywood Brown in any offense you put them. And he's he's the guy who's going to be that X receiver. And that's something that, you know, the Ravens haven't had a true, like, X dominant wide receiver um, since, I mean, I don't know, who was, like... I don't even think Anquan Bolden really fit into that role. Like, it's been a while since they've had someone who's like who profiles the way that Bateman does, and I think they're going to have the weapons to be to be a better offense than people are giving them credit for. Well, the, you know, and I want to go back to the tight end thing in a second, but the Ravens' offenses have never really used X receivers like other offenses have. And I think your example, like, like when you were like, oh, the Ravens really have it, like, like you, were, you were probably thinking back to both, like, Bolden and Mason. And, like, even in those offenses and even in that style, the Ravens weren't using them in that same kind of way, even though they were very quality receivers and maybe not top 10 guys, but, like, top 15 or top 20 wide receivers in the league at the time when they were in, when they were in their primes in Baltimore and really effective at that. So we don't need Bateman to be Julio. I don't need him to be Julio Jones, right? Like if he is Derek Mason or he is Anquan Bolden of some of the good Ravens teams that they were on, the Ravens are going to be a very good offense. Um, Two interesting stats from 2019 that kind of, I think, are relevant to the tight end discussion that I looked up as we were talking about this. Um, Hayden Hurst had 40 targets in 2019. So you're talking about Isaiah likely getting 40 targets in this offense. That is, to me, a perfect fit for the exact same kind of player, exact same type of, like, sometimes in line, but most often split out, not asked to block a lot, not going to be a great blocker. That's going to be just fine. The other thing I noticed when I looked that up was in 2019, Hayden Hurst had four games started, mm-hmm. which intrigued me. So then I looked up how many games Mark Andrews Zero. started, and he only started four <laughs> games as well. Nick Boyle started 15 games at tight end for the Ravens that year. Now, what I think is interesting about that is Nick Boyle looks back. If you look at some of the workout tapes and some of the stuff that he's been doing this offseason with James Harrison, really, really impressive, lean. right? Like completely... Yeah, a completely different body, really strong, confident in his health again. And it was obvious last year that he never had that confidence. If he comes back and he's the blocker that he was in 2019, and then the Ravens are rotating some combination of Andrews, Kolar, and likely around that, then you definitely don't need another wide receiver to to fit into that mix because that's going to be dynamic in and of itself. And so um, Dobbins, with it being a much more effective version of Ingram, you know, at the mesh point in terms of what we got from him in that year. And then Gus Edwards being the same old regular Gus Edwards. If those things happen, you know, the Ravens are just going to run all over everybody again. And and it's not, and it's not going to matter. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, I mean, that's obviously something that's been talked about from last year. And we talked about earlier, the running back room was just horrible. Like they were league worst in a lot of categories or or close to it. Um, And, that's with a quarterback who makes running backs lives so easy like and they still weren't able to take advantage of it just they just didn't have it and, they, and i don't know if they didn't understand the system they didn't understand the offense they didn't have juice left i think it was a combination probably of all those things um also the offensive line was not great last year as well so you know there's a lot of issues for why the running game did not work last year but um you know 
and we mentioned Dobbins a few times. He's kind of an X factor, I think. Um, he's someone that you know I think we expect to be back on the field. You know, he's been tweeting recently that he's ready to go. Ian Rapport kind of you know was saying on NFL Network that there's been some like rumors that he's not going to be ready to start the season. I don't know who's right. I'm, I'm going to probably side with J.K. Dobbins here, but um, it's it's definitely one of those situations where he has a chip on his shoulder. You know, he wants to come in and he wants to show that, um, you know, he's ready to contribute. Um, and I think he's that player that the Ravens need to be explosive and really keep defenses honest because his speed to the edge was something that was electric in that 2020 season. It really invigorated that offense after he was kind of taking over from Mark Ingram. I don't know if a lot of people remember that, how there were some issues with the offense in the first half of the season. And then when, when Dobbins kind of took over, um, it was a different looking offense. They, they started doing that counter bash a lot with, with Dobbins. It was just an offense, frankly, that was, it was hard to defend. And now you have more weapons around him, a better offensive line. It's, it's, going to be the same thing but better like how can it how can you see it going the other way so i mean this is all assuming health like that's the one thing that's the, that's the big caveat a lot of players coming back from injury this year but if, if those guys come back and play at the level we've seen them play it's going to be a really dynamic offense yeah and i think you know I, you know, so there are a handful of older guys that are factors when when it comes back to injuries, right? Like, Mar- you know, I would say I would classify Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley in the young enough that I'm not worried about it. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards young enough that I'm not worried about it at all. Um, so some of these guys, you know, you you know, like Marcus Peters, you worry a little bit more as older veteran guys um, and Nick Boyle coming back, but you know. I think you like when you're assessing any NFL team, unless you're looking at guys that are regularly injured, which has not been the case for some of these guys that we're naming for the Ravens. Like, like Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey missed more games combined last year than the two of them did in their entire careers before that. Right. Like we're not talking about high injury prone guys. Um, and if that's the case, you know, there's there's just a lot of room for opportunity when it comes there. Um, so, you know, I, I think. I remember when we did this same podcast last year, all I could talk about was how the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, which retrospectively looks stupid because um, they didn't even make the playoffs. But I still feel as enthusiastic about this team heading into the year. Um, and I feel even comfortable. I, I don't even feel the need to, to put the caveat of health kind of on top of that. I think that, I think that, you know, you would do that all this. Like if, like if, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes gets hurt for any of it, like misses the last five games of the season for both those teams too. It wouldn't surprise me if both of them miss the playoffs yeah, as well. Um, and so that's just that's just the NFL. So r- real quick, um, twenty twenty one roster versus twenty twenty two roster. Which one do you like more? Just on, just on paper. And this is you saying that you love the twenty twenty one roster before all the injuries happen. Oh, th- this season's roster. Hmm. Oh, I think I like this season's roster better. Um, I'm trying to think of like where where the drop off is. I mean, the the one big drop off being Marquise Brown, but you add in Kyle Hamilton, you add you add in uh, Marcus Williams, like you add in you know Houston's coming back, so like that's the same. Like Ajabo coming back at the end of the year, I think could be a really significant boost to this team. Um, Linderbaum, huge upgrade at center. You know, obviously Stanley didn't play at all last year. That's you know hindsight's twenty twenty on that, um, but. 
Yeah, I, I like this roster. I, I think they're both pretty similar. Like there, there wasn't a lot of room to upgrade, and somehow the Ravens managed to upgrade in a couple key spots and only downgraded basically a Marquise Brown. So to me, that tells me that 2022 is going to be yeah. better. Yeah, I'm at the same place with you. Um, I think wide receiver is the one position where you're like, okay, they didn't really improve there. They probably got a little worse. Um, but one thing that I think is a key upgrade, and this is something that I've talked about for probably three years running, is offensive line depth. They actually have offensive tackle depth for the first time that I can remember, and that's a huge thing considering the health of some of the you know players that the Ravens have had at tackle and, and the, you know what's happened to that line when players have gone out. Um, so that's something that I think is huge going into the season. I mean, Tyree Phillips has played a lot of snaps at right tackle over the Ravens over the past two years, and it has not worked out well. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that you know that by itself will kind of be an improvement. And if injury does happen, you know, hopefully it doesn't. But at least you have a real kind of backup situation, a real kind of insurance plan to you know keep that offensive line intact functioning at a high level, something that hasn't ha- actually happened too much over the past two years when, when key players have been lost to injury. Yeah, I think depth is, I, I mean, depth is always going to be a part of how you keep your your kind of, your record afloat, right? Like, and so even, you know, you look back at the season that Mahomes missed a couple games and, um, what, Chad Henney, had, or was it Henney? Who came in and played behind him? I don't know, but he missed a couple games. And Matt Moore? Somebody that... <laughs> Oh, maybe it was more. I think I think they might have both been on the roster. I don't know. Anyway, you know the idea that you need someone to, yeah, you need someone to come in and uh, you need someone to come in and kind of fill in a couple of those spots. So let's talk a little bit about this depth that we've got on the team. And I, you know, the lightning rod, and we've already talked about this a little bit. So let's get into it a little bit more here. The lightning rod is the wide receiver position, right? And that's the one where. Everybody says that this wide receiver, te- the ro- this wide receiver depth is not good enough and isn't going to cut it for the team. And and when the Ravens need to pass, they're not going to be able to because their wide receivers aren't going to be good enough. Um, so I, I mean, I guess the the question is, after Bateman, who do you see as the next wide receiver up, and do you think that they're going to be good enough? So I'm not sure yet. And I, and to me, wide receiver is kind of one of those key positional battles in the training camp, and that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing is who's going to be that starting, you know, I guess Z, you know, second wide receiver, like your flanker opposite of Bateman. Um, and, and it might not be one guy. They might rotate some players there. Um, I kind of think that Tylen Wallace has the best skill set to be that player. I'm not sure if he is necessarily the most talented of them all, but I think, you know, he profiles better to, to be that outside receiver. I think, you know, the other two guys um, that you consider, Prochet and DuVernay, I feel like they are more inside, you know, more slot guys. Um, able to get open in space a little bit easier than, than having to, like, beat someone off the line of scrimmage. I think, you know, Wallace is a little bit more competitive at the catch point, is a little better downfield. Um, and I'd, I'd like to see him get some reps out there especially I mean obviously that'll happen in training camp but th- throughout the pre- preseason and even into the season I'd like to see him give him a real opportunity there um, so he would be my favorite I wouldn't be surprised if it's DuVernay actually starting there um, just he has a longer track record with the team um, but I just don't think he's been very effective um, as a wide receiver he's more of kind of your gadget player he can do some things out of the slot but he's not someone who's going to be winning downfield 
um, very frequently. So that, that's how I would handicap it. Um, and, and then Prochet, I think, is your slot guy. I think he's your number one slot receiver. And, and Duvernay kind of like mix in and out. Um, but th- that's, that's how I see it shaking out. Yeah, so I, I generally agree with you. I think Tylen Wallace is a guy that everybody is sleeping on. And I think that the Ravens, by if the Ravens don't add a wide receiver, it's going to tell you that they're much higher on Tylen Wallace than other people were. And Tylen Wallace snuck in a few more snaps at the end of last year than, not a lot of snaps, but the fact that he snuck in any snaps, I think, also tells you something about what the Ravens thought about Wallace and what he brings. And whether that's his ability to be on the outside and fit within the system in that regard, or whether they just think he has the capability of being a, a more improved player. Um, he's super interesting to me. I will take a little bit of a different... Uh, well, let me talk about DuVernay for a second. He has been a gadget player. He hasn't even been a good gadget player, especially on offense. He hasn't been a good deep receiver, even though he's got speed. I think he's a great returner. I think he has a role on this team. I think as a fourth wide receiver on a team when you're in a pinch and you need a guy when you're going for wide, he can be useful. Um I don't want to see him be the second or third option in this offense. I, I just, I, if he is the guy that gets the initial set of reps, especially when the season starts, I'll be a little disappointed overall. And then I'll, I'll eat my hat and say that the Ravens should have went out inside somebody else, a wide receiver. Um, that being said, and I don't love the tight formations um, that the Ravens use, but my position is that James Prochet is going to be the guy. The Ravens are going to stay tight in their formations. Bateman's going to be the guy that's outside and Prochet is going to be kind of like that in-line hybrid, maybe in like twins formations on the same side as Bateman with two tight ends on the other side, or even like inside of whatever that, like in those like kind of like tight Z packages where you've got tight ends in line and guys kind of like right offset behind them. Prochet can be that guy. And then he gives him the lateral ability to go inside and outside, but also also run more complex routes if he needs to. He's the guy with the best hands. The Ravens need guys that can catch the ball. I mean, there have been too many instances in too many games where we've seen too many drops and too many big moments. Um, and I like James Prochet as a guy that's not going to be that. I think Tylen Wallace, though, is the interesting guy that could kind of emerge from there. Um, and then, you know, it's anybody's bet after that, but I think I tend to think that the Ravens are just going to stay heavy in these packages. And it's going to look like it did in 2019 when the Ravens kind of starting wide receivers, which included at the time Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, I think the Ravens receivers for that team totaled like 1,400 receiving yards. I think we're going to see something like that again this year and I still think we're going to see a big year from Rashad Bateman yeah I think we'll probably actually get more wide receiver production this year than we had that year I mean those wide receivers like you said it was Miles Boykin who did very little as a rookie he was out there blocking mostly Marquise Brown who was in and out of the lineup because he was was, you know dealing with a foot injury Um, he was pretty effective when he was out there but he was also limited due to that health issue um, Seth Roberts, <laughs> remember him? He was actually, I think, one of the leading targeted wide receivers that year. Um, he he was okay, but he wasn't anything to write home about. And then Willie Sneed, like that, that. Those were your four wide receivers. Like that's not a uh, overly impressive group of receivers. I think, you know, by far Bateman is the best of those receivers at that time. Like you can have a, a much more effective and more productive, you know, wide receiver group just because of him. Um, and, 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 you know, if Prochet, like we both think, can be a really effective slot receiver who can, you know, get you, I don't know, 50, 60 targets out of that position, maybe um, be a high catch percentage guy, chain mover, um, 
like he's not going to be an outside receiver. He's not going to be a downfield threat, but he can get open in the short areas, and he's really good against the zone, I think. Um, and that's something that, you know, along with Mark Andrews, will allow you to, you know, get those third down conversions. And especially if they're, you know, reasonable and not third and long, like we've seen so much last year with the ineffective running game. So, um, that, you know, that's kind of how I see it. And, and I think that there probably will be a fifth wide receiver on the roster. It might be an undrafted free agent from this past year. You know, I think they gave uh, uh, Bolden, Slade, Slade Bolden is that his name, from Alabama. They gave him a decent amount of, of money in the undrafted free agent pool. Um, you have uh, Victor, Benjamin Victor from last year. He was an undrafted guy. Um, he's big, so th- they might want to keep him around because of his size. Um, he, you know, he could be someone who can block for you, um, be a little bit more of a downfield threat as well. So, you know, they have some interesting guys also in the in undrafted free agency. I think there were maybe one or two other you know, kind of like big body um, wide receivers. And I, I think they'll all be given a long look to kind of compete for that last wide receiver spot. Um, how they contribute on special teams is probably going to go a long way to see if they make the roster or not. Um, but but in, in the end, I think it's going to be mostly those those four guys we talked about who are going to be the primary um, targeted and used wide receivers on this team. And I think, you know, it's not going to be like an elite group of wide receivers by any stretch, but I think it's going to be a functional group. And I think with the tight ends, you know, like Mark Andrews obviously being one of the best tight ends in football and, and Boyle, who we've talked about, is going to be someone I think is also going to be on the comeback tour um, with the two rookies. It, it's it's going to be a formidable offense. Those are decent weapons you have. You have receiving guys um, with, with um, likely, we've talked about, I think he can be a real weapon coming out of the slot as well. So it's going to be, you know, a mix of all of them out there. And I think it's just a matter of finding, you know, the right combinations and the right game situations. That's what's going to matter when once and once they figure that out, it's going to it's going to be a, a clean looking offense. Yeah, I I generally agree with all that, you know, and I think the the bigger question is who who's going to be blocking for Lamar in front of that offensive line to make sure that he can get the ball to whoever the wide receiver option is. I think you're you know when you point out Snead and Roberts and what that personnel looked like from a receiving perspective overall uh, in 2019, it tells you everything that you need to know about how worried the Ravens really have to be about that overall. Um, but the left guard position is the big question, right? I think we're gonna we've basically seen the Ravens already tag Limber. Linderbaum as being the starting center. There's no reason why they shouldn't. And there's no reason why they wouldn't have been invested in him if that wasn't what they were going to do. So who do you want to see win this left guard position? I mean, I think who you want to see is Ben Cleveland. Um, You know, he drafted him last year in the third round. Um, He's huge. He's a massive person. Um, He had some nice moments last year when he was on the field. Um, Health kind of held him back a little bit. Also, I think there was some, you know, kind of growing pains going from from college ball to NFL for him. Um, there's still some issues with him that I'd like to clean up in his technique, um, kind of in his stance, you know, in, in his pad level. There's there's things that he can improve on, um, but I think he's a player that you would like to see that be that starting player. Um, the guy who wouldn't surprise me if he does start is going to be Tyree Phillips. You know, he has been a starting guard for the Ravens the past two years. You know, looking back at the opening day, he was the guy who was out there at first at right guard, then at left guard. Um, and I think, you know, he has a lot of the same tools that you want. I mean, he's big. Um, he can move people when, when he puts that effort in. Um, he's a, probably a little bit more nimble and athletic than, than what I saw from Cleveland last year. So I, th- I think it's going to be a, an interesting battle to watch. And, and then 
I don't I don't think Makari is really in consideration as a starter. I think they want to use him as a reserve. But you know, if the other two guys don't work out, um, if they don't look like they're ready to start, I think it could be Makari. I think he's a guy who could plug in and and be a starting player for you. They they gave him a decent amount of money. Um, you obviously want his versatility to be something that is usable for you, but if, if he's your best option, then they have no issue with playing him, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I want to see... I wanted, I, w- I would like it to be Tyree Phillips, and I know that Ben Cleveland's got all the hype, yada, 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 but um, Tyree Phillips was selected in the same round, I believe, of the draft as Ben Cleveland was, so, so the hype is Ben Cleveland, because Ben Cleveland is a huge human being, and I appreciate that. Tyree Phillips, to me, strikes me as the better fit in terms of what the Ravens might be trying to do in terms of offense and, and being the more kind of mobile, being able to be the more mobile guard, be a better puller, be able to do a couple different things in, in that regard. Um, we'll see whether or not he's able to sustain that. Zeitler is not as effective, and I don't recall the Ravens using him a ton as a puller last year. So I, I want to see a little more athleticism from him. And, and you know, I think there's an interesting question for Ben Cleveland is as to whether he evolves to be the right guard and the, and the Ravens view him is to be able to be in that role, not have to pull as much and be a little bit more protected. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe they just give him another kind of redshirt year in that sense where he's only going to have to be the backup if he needs to be. Um, you know, Powers is the other guy that's in here. Powers is like... Powers is like the the ultimate like nothing burger to me. Like like I, I don't have any problem. <laughs> Powers is the starter. I'm not excited about it. I'm not. I don't think it adds anything to what the Ravens are trying to do in any. Like I like Phillips' athleticism as a, as an add-on. Right. You like Cleveland's like size and like Mauler ability as an add-on. Ben Powers is kind of like he's like he's a guy that can play left guard. Um, and that's not a bad guy to have on the roster either. Yeah, I think Powers is an interesting one because I think there's a reasonable chance that he's not even on the roster. Because of the amount he's played, he's being owed over $2 million. And if, if he's somebody who's not going to be starting, which I, I think we both agree that he's not your best option as a starter, he's kind of, I like you said, he's just like a whatever kind of player. Like, he's not going to kill you, but he's also not going to, like, do much for you in a positive sense. He's just out there and, like, kind of doing his job well enough. Um, I, I would like some more upside at the position, ideally. And can you pay someone who's, like, a mediocre nothing burger at left backup left guard or backup right guard um what he's getting when you're kind of tight against the cap i i could see him as being someone who's let go yeah i i i tend to agree with that and i I think all of it ends up kind of riding its way down to health um you know and and whether or not they can make it and you know i know we I didn't, we didn't we didn't log it here, but I just want to flag, you know, right tackle is also a spot that needs to be we didn't have that in, in kind of our, our little our little rundown here. Um, but right tackle I think is actually maybe even potentially more interesting as well, which is like, you know, I think Moses has the inside track, but if Juwan James is healthy and is as effective as he's been at the top end of his career, um, that's a really nice combo of tackles that the Ravens will have um, from both a experience and veteran perspective. Yeah, I think um, it, a lot's going to depend on on James's ability to come back from the injuries. He hasn't played much. Like he, I think the last time he was on the field was 2018, like a full season or close to a full season. He went to Denver, I think 2019, and, and missed most of the season because of an injury. 2020, he opted out from COVID, injured himself before the 2021 season. Like he's been away from football for quite some time. So 
what he looks like out there on a football field will be really interesting to see. Um, is he back to the same type of athlete that he was, and can he play at that level? If so, then you're right. It's it's a almost like a coin flip between him and, and Moses. Moses has been much more durable, much more reliable. Um, but in terms of like what they were able to do at the position, I think they're both very quality starters. Um, and and I don't know, maybe one of them actually becomes a trade chip if they if especially James, I think, if he shows that he can do something. And I just talked about the depth of the offensive tackle and not wanting to trade them away. But um, if you have someone like like Daniel Falele, Falele, who is ready to go as a rookie, um, you have Makari, who's also shown you know ability to play right tackle pretty well. Um, then maybe you don't need to have a James on the roster as well. So that's something that'll be interesting to see. Personally, I would keep him. I think unless things look really bad, and then you can probably just let him go. But um, if if he's playing at a high level. I mean, that's a good situation to be in because I think they both have, you know, good upside as, as right tackles. Um, I, I do think it'll be Moses in the end, but there's definitely an opportunity for, for James to come in there. Yeah, I'm keeping all of them. <laughs> Anybody, like, and even, you know, I agree with you about powers and kind of what the price, what his price tag is and what that means. But, like, I, I'm just, you know, the offensive line is so key to what the Ravens do. Like, just just don't, don't mess with a potentially good thing. But, you know, let's talk about who they might be blocking for as well. And, you know, obviously... Dobbins and Edwards, if they're healthy, are the top two running backs, but health is, is and when they'll be ready and when they'll be back is a question. I think it's not really a question because we'll be a full 12 months removed, basically, by the time the training camp, you know, ends to as to when their injuries happen. So I think that, like, in the scheme of things, like, we've seen guys come back on shorter time frames from ACLs and play all of training camp and be healthy. So I'm not as concerned about that, but let's play the game as though we were. You know, you've got a nice little veteran versus rookie kind of battle here between Beatty and Mike Davis and you know in a lot of ways it's interesting because they both have kind of overlapping skill sets Mike Davis has particularly good hands um, and they're both they're both pretty effective runners Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see which one of them fits better in the system and if there's anything that the the uh, Tyson uh, Williams situation uh, told us last year was that you know, you never know. The Ravens might not go with, you know, they're going to go with a guy that fits what they're asking him to do and does it right more than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be um, a, a lot to kind of like the, a system and op- understanding the playbook, understanding the ability to run and kind of this this type of offense. Um, it, it's mostly, I mean, in the past couple of years, it's mostly been a gap scheme offense, um, running scheme. Um I mean, we might see that change a little bit this year. Greg Roman, he's a master of the running game, if he's nothing else. Um, so he might throw some new wrinkles in there um, with with changes that have happened to the offensive line. Um, we, we might see a little bit more zone. We might see a little bit more, um, like, pin and pull. There's there's a lot of things that we, we can do, um, I think, with, with the changes also that we made to the offensive line. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's a chance that both of them make it, um, depending on, on the way health shakes out, the way other positions shake out. Um, the Ravens, I think, have carried four running backs in the past. Um, I think you do definitely like the veteran ability of Mike Davis. He's been very productive at times when called upon. Um, you know, I think he struggled a little bit last year, but you know when he was when he was at his best backing up Christian McCaffrey in in Carolina, he he was a dynamic player for them. Um, dual threat you know he did have that ability to catch the ball out of the backfield 
Um, so we'll see. Um, there's still Justice Hill, your favorite, your favorite Raven. <laughs> um, you know, he was out there, returned from the Achilles injury, in um, in the offseason program. So there's a, there's a chance I think for for Justice Hill. We'll, we'll see. It's unlikely that he makes the roster, but. Um, you know, there, there is at least depth in that position this year compared to where we were last year. And that's something that is, is going to be important because, you know, health is not guaranteed. Um, we obviously are hoping for, for a return of for Edwards and Dobbins. Um, but I think if I had to choose a third guy, to if it was just a third, I would probably lean Beatty. Um, you know, he's, he's a rookie. He, he had some impressive ability in the SEC. Um, really, I think he fits the scheme well. I'm not sure Davis fits as well from a schematic perspective, but I think he's really more of an insurance option if one of the running backs isn't healthy enough to start the season on the active roster. And I think there's a big question about how both of them can handle potential pistol mesh point snaps and reads. Um, and if one of them, and, and we won't know this until it happens, but if one of them stands out more than the others in the, in the other in that regard, I think that player is definitely going to be the one that ends up winning that roster spot because of because of some of the similarities that they bring in terms of their skill sets. Yeah. So I mean, let's move on to the defensive side. We've talked a lot about offense today, um, and we're, we're not going to spend too much time on defense, but. One of the real interesting position battles, I think, coming up in training camp is cornerback. Um, obviously, you know, we have Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters, who are going to be your starters, assuming health. Um, but your third cornerback, you know, you're either your slot cornerback, where, you know, we could also see Humphrey move to the slot and have someone else on the outside. It's, it's a little bit open, in, in my opinion. Obviously, we talked about the Fuller signing. Um, he has the veteran experience. Um, but he hasn't really played much slot in his career. He's mostly an outside corner. Uh, he played a little bit last year, but I don't think it's where he's at his best. Um, if he's your third cornerback, does that mean Humphrey then slides into the slot? I'm not sure if that's your ideal situation either, although Humphrey has played well there when asked to. Um, you have uh, two rookies. You have uh, Demarion Williams, uh, Pepe, who I think is really interesting as a potential slot player. Um, he's been really feisty from everything I've seen out of him. He's um, a character, um, and I, I think that's someone you could, you know, fill into that slot role immediately. You also have Jalen Armour Davis, who is more of an outside player. I think pr- pretty much strictly an outside cornerback. Um, but you know, the Ravens really liked him. Uh, and he's someone who comes from Bama. He has that pedigree um, similar to what we've seen with Anthony Averett. We've seen obviously Humphrey out of Alabama. Um, the Ravens like their Bama corners, and I think he's someone who has that his size, that speed, that length. That's something that could play right away in the NFL. And then, um, kind of your your two wild cards, so to speak. You have you know Stevens, Brandon Stevens from last year. He played mostly safety, but he might be transitioning more to corner. That's where he played in college. Um, and then um, our Darius Washington, who the Ravens I think drafted potentially as a safety but also saw him as a potential slot cornerback and he played a lot of slot cornerback last year in training camp um, in the preseason as well and he, he actually played really well when he was out there undersized coming off injury but you know he's someone who has that the kind of chops I think to stick and be really good against especially smaller shifty cornerbacks so it's a really interesting position and I honestly don't know who I think will be that third cornerback and it might be a rotation um, to figure out who that guy's going to be. 
Well, it must be July because the Ravens have a really long list of names on their cornerback depth chart. (laughs) It remains to be seen when when we get to October or November that the list remains that long. I mean, I think your assessment of all these guys is spot on. I think Stevens probably to me is the guy that gets the first crack. Well, Fuller is going to get the first crack because he's a veteran and he can he can play inside and outside. I think, and so I, I think he's going to get the first look if he's ineffective. I think Stevens will get a shot on the like potentially inside, and if he's not good inside, move to the outside um, with Humphrey coming in. I think then I think then you're looking at you know the Ravens have had a trend where they let the slot guy be a younger guy. I mean that's how Tavon Young came into his development. Um, you know it's it's interesting because that position can be a really challenging one to play and a really hard role to fill, um, but they've let younger guys play into those roles, so I think that there's an opportunity there as well. Um, so I, I don't think I know who it's going to be either. It's going to be a true camp battle for us to say, hey, who, where and how is this going to shake out? But, I mean, you got to love the depth, and you've got to love a Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey opportunity at the top of that food chain, right? Like that is, at the end of the day, if a Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey is your, your top four guys in that secondary, I don't care who you put out in that fifth spot. It's going to be very difficult for teams to be able to throw on this Ravens team, and that's that's just a super exciting place to be. And, and that doesn't even mention, you know, that doesn't even put Chuck Clark into that yeah. equation, right? Like, and he's going to, I think he's going to be that dime guy. I think the Ravens might move him down inside some more this year. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting for, um, for Mike McDonough to, to make some decisions about how he wants to, to call some of this defense. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because, you know, I, I've talked with, with Ken on his podcast about expectations out of the safety position, and there's a decent chance that the Ravens spent a lot of time in Big Nickel. It's kind of like a base package, um, putting Chuck Clark down in the in the linebacker position with, with Hamilton and Williams, you know, as kind of your more traditional deep safeties um, because you have three, you know, starting caliber safeties now. And, uh, you know, how those mix in with the cornerback group will be really interesting. Um, I do expect a lot more six defensive back packages um, this year than what we've seen last year or the year before that. Because um, I, I just think that the personnel leans that way. I, I, I think um, your, your linebackers are not the most dynamic position on the field, and you have much more int- interesting and talented players in your secondary um and i I think if you can get them on the field you can do a lot more from a coverage perspective um and and you can also use them because with guys like hamilton you know he's he's big he's 6'4 220 like he can be play inside he can defend the run you can line him up on the edge you can blitz him from different from different places it's gonna be really interesting to see how they're used and and you know chuck clark he's someone that's gonna be hard to keep off the field because of what he does just from like a intelligence standpoint and, and how he kind of gets people lined up how he like can see like what's going on and, and make sure that you know people are in the right positions and i think that's something that's probably always been a little bit underrated for him um he's he's not the most athletic player but he's someone who's always kind of in the right position and he's a good tackler and that's really something that's important for the safety position so it's going to be interesting um and I mean, I think the safety, how those safeties use is is going to be one of like the, the kind of the, the really interesting talking points leading up to the season as we go through training camp because it's it's really the probably the deepest position on this roster in terms of like the talent they have there. Um, with, I mean, I mean we don't know if, if Brandon Stevens is going to play out there or not, but you also have 
Um, Gino Stone, who we're not going <laughs> to mention, of course, we're not going to talk much about him. He's like your fifth string guy. But if you consider our Darius Washington also a safety, like it's a really talented secondary. And it's going to be interesting to see how all these guys shake out. Yeah, you know, Chuck Clark is an interesting one to me, and this is this is a little kind of down the rabbit hole here. I, I, I agree that he's a smart player, obviously. Um, you know, you, you can't disagree with that, but it's not like that X factor has never showed up. There has been rarely been a situation in the game where that X factor has showed up, where Chuck Clark has, like Ray Lewis would move guys into spots and they would make the play because he could see what was coming. Like Chuck Clark is like not on that level of ability to like play chess on the defensive side of things. Um, and he's been the leader and the dot guy for defenses that have been not playing up to their talent levels in some instances for this Ravens team overall. And so I'm not sure, I'm not here to bag on Chuck Clark. Um, I'm just I'm just pointing out that we may find out that the the intelligence piece that he he brought versus the athletic gap that there was in between there um, was more significant than kind of the lip service that a lot of you know a lot of fans a lot of media a lot of coaches have given him credit for but I think we're going to see a really big jump from the true safety position where we, where Clark was playing in that in terms of the outcomes that we're going to get in this year that's again not to to put anything down on Clark Kyle Hamilton before he came into this year was regarded as a transcendental safety in terms of what he was going to bring to the field. And so I think we're going, I think we're going to see that play out and Chuck Clark deserves credit to be a smart guy. And I think run fits and his ability as a big nickel are going to be really effective for this team. Um, but I think we're just going to see a huge jump in production from the safety play of this team. And it's, and it, it's going to be, I'm excited for it. I think the Ravens defense is going to, it's going to, the, the Ravens offense is the one like we've talked about this whole time. Cause I think that it all flows around Lamar, but I think the Ravens defense is the one that's going to surprise every when it's all said and done this year. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Kyle Hamilton really is kind of, uh, I mean, we talked about Dobbins as an X-Factor on the offense. I think Kyle Hamilton is an X-Factor on the defense. Um, and what he can do as a rookie, um, what his role is going to be, um, is he going to be the guy who's out there on every down? I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine he wouldn't be, you know, considering his, his draft pedigree and, and what he's been able to do as a college player. Like, it looks like he's someone who can come in right away and be a dynamic NFL contributor um but how he's used it and you know what, what what that role looks like is is really interesting and i think it's going to allow the ravens to do a lot of unique things on defense um but if that does that lead to them actually being like a top five unit or not you know we'll have to wait and see i think they have a lot of pieces around to potentially make that happen um but I don't know. It, a lot will depend on, I think, health. Like we've talked about every other position. Um, the, the outside linebacker position, I think, is an interesting one. And we didn't really plan on talking too much about it because I don't really see it as much of an interesting position battle. Um, you know, obviously the tragic death of Jalen Ferguson is something that impacts that position. Um, it's 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 really it's sad for anyone you know that young to... To lose their life um and, and he was going into a position where he could potentially have like a, a big season so it, i really feel for him i feel for his family um and it's tough i'm sure for the entire team to, to lose someone like that um, from the locker room um but now the outside linebacker position is you know it, it's it's interesting because you have oa um he had a good rookie year i don't think it was a great rookie year i think he was inconsistent at times um he flashed you know really impressive things but sometimes he kind of like just wasn't looking like he was making much of an impact. Houston was probably the most impactful player 
for them. Um, and then and then Bowser coming back from injury. Ojabo coming back from injury. Um, who's, who's going to be like the guy that steps up? I, I think that's something that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I think you're underplaying always impact a little bit. Obviously, huge in winning the Kansas City game. Um, there were moments where he definitely ended drives and had those big moments. He was inconsistent, and he was a rookie. Um, and then he did miss a little time at the end due to injury. Um, but I think that he's really going to grow. There, there is just a lot of opportunity there for him to develop. And if Jabo is the if he can come in as like that that pass rush like kind of hot knife through butter specialist at the end of the year with Houston and rotating in Bowser and everything from a timeline standpoint seems like he's going to be ready to go too. I, I agree with you. There's not a lot to talk about here. It's really just going to be a question of who's getting the snaps and are they being productive and rotating them until those guys do. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity and upside. This is, this is, I'll go back to your question about 21 versus 22. I'm more excited now that I think about it for this team than I was for the, that team. The, the Ravens added more, I think, in terms of draft impact talent and free agent talent in, from 2021 to 22 and lost less than they did from 20 to 21. Um, and I think the upgrades are going to be super clear. And I'm just, you know, I wasn't, you know, I don't love these podcasts because it's a little bit of hot air because we haven't started training camp yet. There's not anything to evaluate. There's not a ton to talk about yet um, in terms of outcome. But I'm more excited about this Ravens team now that we're, we've gotten here to the end of this podcast than, than I was at the start of it. And, and uh, I'm, I have high expectations for this year. Yeah, I, I do, too. And it's I think one of the things that, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about is, is the overall depth of the roster. Um, there, there isn't really one position outside of maybe outside linebacker, maybe wide receiver. Um, but every, everywhere you have players who um, are ready to step into bigger roles, I think. Um, and, and that's something that is important on any team that has championship aspirations. And, you know, this is not a team that's really top-heavy. You have a lot of players who are able to contribute um, that aren't necessarily your stars. And I think that's that's going to prove to be a, a benefit for this team. And I also think that, you know, if, if you look at, you know, getting back to the defense, um, one of the things that has been lacking over the past couple of years, turnovers, sacks, if those things turn around a little bit, if you get a little bit more productivity because of the scheme change, um, if you get a little bit more productivity because you have guys in the secondary who can turn you know, pass deflections into interceptions, that can go a long way into making a unit that was you know, struggling to kind of get off the field at times to being a unit that is not only getting off field, but you know, getting the ball back to your offense in advantageous positions. And that, in its own right, can be a huge difference in, in how well a defense performs. And a lot of that is, frankly, luck-based. But some of it's skill-based and some of it's scheme-based, too. So I'm curious to see how the, the you know Mike McDonald defense looks compared to what we've seen from Wink over the past three seasons and whether or not it's you know just more of the same or if there's a completely different defensive mindset that's going into it. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff as we head into the start of this training camp. Going to be really excited to see some of these guys on the field. Excited to see the rookies. Like the rookie part of training camp is is even getting more attention than it historically has because the Ravens have they usually have a lot of rookies on the field, but they're going to have a ton of rookies on the field as they get started this year too. So I'm sure we'll get into kind of roster construction. We'll start breaking down training camp. We're going to be here for you guys as we get into the off season or get out of the off season and into the season. I know we're both super excited. You guys can find us on Twitter. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Raven sit room. And uh, we want to say thanks for coming into the situation room.